Hi everyone, Mattia. I am really excited about today because I have a very special guest, January 10. January is the creator of High Profit Secret, a system for ambitious entrepreneurs and goal-getters who want to build highly profitable businesses, even without capital, connections, or an MBA. She built two six-figure businesses while homeschooling her son as a single mother and went from zero to 150K in 15 months. January 10 is a believer in entrepreneurship. She believes that when you are an entrepreneur, you control your life, you control your time, your money, your freedom, and even your location. You make better choices and you have the power to create the best life and your family that your family deserves. January, I'm so excited. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So we were having a chat just before. Um, you're mm-hmm. currently in Canada. Um, and um, tell me a little bit about your background. You know, how was that life for you growing up? Um, I'm sure you had a, an extraordinary journey. Uh, give us a brief, brief background about yourself. Right. So um, let me see. Growing up, I've always been entrepreneurial. I remember, you know, starting my own um, business when I was just six years old. I, uh-huh. I would buy, yeah, roasted corn and then I'd repack it into smaller packs and I'd sell it to my, uh, my classmates after school. <laughs> and um, my mom was, I always say my mom was my first investor, but even back then, you know, I, I loved doing the math. I loved um, thinking about the profit and I remember being like six years old and calculating, um, okay, I had sold this much, therefore I could, uh, I had this much in profit, and so I could afford to pay myself and yeah. eat this much. Yes, so yeah. my mom, who was my first investor, she never made any profit because I was always busy eating the profit, so to speak. But I learned one key lesson, and that's, you know, the more that you can sell, the more that you can eat. Very true, very true. Yeah, very true. yeah, and so... And so it was that, yeah, your mom and dad were the entrepreneurs themselves. Did they inspire you to start this and go down this path? Or was that something that came uh, from within? That's a very good question. My father was an entrepreneur himself, but the journey has, uh, was tough for him. Uh, we were based in the Philippines and my father had gone through the Asian financial crisis, mm-hmm. which really drained the finances of the family. So growing up, he was very clear that he did not want his daughter to go through the same difficulties that he had. Even though he was entrepreneurial, he did not give me his support at at all. So this was really something that came from within. Um, Mm. I don't don't recall that I read anything or talked to anyone. It was just really a burning passion within me. My dad said, my dad wanted me to not go into business and you know, because I wanted to be an obedient daughter, the good daughter, <laughs> I actually, I went through school, I graduated from, um, I graduated computer engineering, and I worked for a year, worked for Hewlett Packard as an IT specialist. But, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like a monkey doing a donkey's work. I felt like my, my, my work was so unfulfilling. I should have been happy. I was working from home back before it became the trend that it is now. I had, you know, I I had a company car that would come and pick me up from my house, bring me back. 
um, free gym passes. We had really all of these good perks because they were good companies. But deep inside, the job that I was doing just wasn't fulfilling. And I remember thinking, is this all there is to life? So, you know, I, I took some time off and I really prayed about it and, um, you know, took a very spiritual approach to it. And I really felt this, um, this inner voice, so to speak, telling me, you know, um, if you have faith as small as a seed, you can say to this mountain and the mountains back then, they just seemed so insurmountable, you know. When I started, I, I didn't know. I had no capital. I had no connections. I had no business background, so to speak. But still, I had this faith that if I started, if I had faith as small as a seed, I could make that mountain move. So I resigned from my job. I quit my job. And I started my own thing. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And I resonate so much with you because... I remember working in finance, uh, was working in financial planning. And and I remember after, would have been only two years, not even, mm-hmm. um, one day kind of having this light bulb moment that I was like, I'm living, or oh, my boss is living exactly the same life as me. He's wearing the same clothes. He's driving the same car. He's spending all his time in the same office. The only difference between me and him was the number of zeros in our bank accounts. But in the reality, there was no difference. He was doing exactly the same thing. He's been taking the same amount of holidays and everything. And so I was like, what's right. the point of this? Uh, and that's yeah. when I started, like, what, what, why am I doing this? Like, okay, mm-hmm. one, if in 20 years or 30 years I would be here, would I be happy? Fuck no. I'd be this devastated. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I had a moment like that as well. I, I call it, so it's one of the techniques I teach, you know, my, uh, my students, my mentees. Uh, it's just, you know, projecting the future because I had a moment like that as well when I was at work and I thought, you know, if I give it my best, um, five years down the road, where will I be? Mm. And will I be happy with who I am and what I have done? And, you know, it's th- this old thing. It doesn't matter how far up the ladder you go if you're climbing the wrong ladder mm-hmm. yeah so true so true so what happened next obviously you decided to make the leap i read that you know finance was uh, at the time short you know in in the yes. amount of money so got me a little bit through that period of making the transition because i know that um for a lot of people is it's very stressful um so what was what was it like for you so i wish you know i could say that I had been brave enough to actually quit my job on my own. But what actually happened was, I I think it was around November, late November to early January that I had that inner prompting that being in a job is not my, is not going to make me happy. And that I had to be, I had an inner calling, right? I wish I could say that I heard that and I just quit my job. But actually I, I got cold feet. I sort of dragged my feet along. And what what happened was I was sort of caught in that in-between where I knew I did not want to be in the job, but I was too scared to try things out on my own. It's what we call generally, I call it a nine to five and the five to nine. You know, you work in a normal job and then they do the side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, let's see. I... 
I dragged my feet and my productivity in my job just went down until uh, I had to have a conversation with my boss. And so I, I was faced with a decision to either improve my performance at work or just quit. And it was at that moment when I said, you know, um, I want to give it a try. I just, I thought, what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work out, I can always find another job or go back to this job if they yeah. still have me. But I thought, let me give it a year. Yeah. Let me give it a year. And if it works out, then good. If it doesn't, then I'll find another job. Mm. So I quit. <laughs> and um, I wish I could say that I had a clear plan, but I didn't. I was feeling my way through. And when I started, I didn't exactly know what kind of business I would start. Yeah. I was trying out different things. Um, and some things I was really good at, but they didn't make me happy. Yeah. And some things I was not good at and I couldn't sell, couldn't close deals in this area. So then I knew, okay, this is not for me either. By chance, my um, I had already been doing event planning, wedding planning for friends and for family. But I've been doing it mostly for free. It was something that I was good at, but I never thought that I could monetize it. Because back then, when I started, um, wedding planning was not yet the huge industry that it has now become. So I was feeling my way through and talking to people, reconnecting with old classmates. And um, you know, if they said they were going to get married, I said, okay, um, sure, can I help you out with that? And I was charging pennies, <laughs> pennies, because I had no confidence in myself. No, and I remember one time um, I charged a small amount, but I had this was a client who was not family, not friend. I can't remember how she found me. Must have been online, and I was charging a tiny amount, like um, ten percent of what other event planners usually charge, and um, she asked for that amount to be halved. And I said, no, because I thought, you know, I, I, I'm worth more than that. Yeah. And then I went home to my son um, and, you know, reality hit me in the face that yeah. I had to buy diapers, buy milk for that month. So I, I went back to that client and she was like a shark that smelled blood because her original offer was half of what I had proposed and she took it down to one fourth. And I remember feeling so bad about it. But at the same time, I, I didn't have a lot of options. Yeah. So I took it. Um, I wasn't happy about it. I gave it the best that I could. And I was able to buy um, milk and diapers yes. for my son. Because yeah. yeah. that, that really was just it at the start. Um, and so to come from this very um, nice job to this experience, it was very, very humbling. Very humbling, but, yeah. yeah, but that experience lit a fire in me because I said to myself, never again, I will never again be in this position where someone um, negotiate, someone gives where I where I'm forced to take the raw end of a deal because I don't know how to negotiate. I don't know how to persuade. I don't know how to convince someone of my worth. So I. I, you know, I did my research, I started reading books, I started um, 
just talking to people as well and really trying out a lot of different things. At the start, roughly, of, I say, you know, that I went from zero to 150K in 15 months, but really for the first four or five months, I was barely making anything. It, it is a snowball effect, though. It's an exponential curve. So you start small and right about um, the 12th to 15th month is when we made the, the bulk of that money. Mm-hmm. So, so you have at the start you have to keep going sorry yeah, at the start yeah. you just have to keep going yeah yeah no absolutely and, and and it's hard because when you're in a position that you need the money you it's very difficult to to negotiate because you know if you say no you're not going to have even the little bit that will help you a little bit so it's very difficult yes. it's not it's, there is not in a like a one size fits all and unfortunately right. At the beginning, every sale matter, right? Every sale makes the difference. So, yes. um, and it was very brave what you did to, you know, to, to push yourself to be out there. And I found for me, you know, when I left my finance job, my private office in the city and everything, it was a sense of freedom and a sense of like releasing all this heavy weight from my shoulders. But at the same time was, wow, now I need to figure this stuff out. And it's difficult, because you are competing with a lot of stuff, a lot of people out there. Yes. So yes. this one was event planning for weddings. Um, is that what ultimately you uh, continue doing or did you decide to uh, move away from the business? How did that evolve from that? The, the journey? So back when I was doing wedding planning, about, let's say, the eighth month, so four months, from zero to four months, I was barely making any, anything. And I was making a lot of mistakes. I think it's important for, um, you know, fashionpreneurs, for entrepreneurs to, to know that, to understand that, and to give yourself space to go through the learning curve, right? So about the fourth to eighth month, I was getting better. And so that was really the time that I was sewing, so to speak. It was my sewing phase. And by the eighth month... Um, I was when I started really closing deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time we we hit about the one year mark, I had I was handling seventeen weddings in a month um, on the peak months, and on the months that were a little slower, so it was eleven months, uh, eleven weddings in a month. Wow, and that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot of weddings. If you've ever gone through the process of planning a wedding, just planning one wedding can make people <laughs> go crazy. And I was planning 17 weddings, mm. but I was up for the challenge. My, um, th- my background, you know, it's sort of like everything that happens in the background, everything that happens in your past converges to make you, um, to, or to make your passion your calling, so to speak. Um, my experience as an IT um, specialist, a process um, process improvement specialist, helped me to be able to manage all of these 17 weddings. It was not, ultimately, I knew that it was not going to be sustainable. There's no way that I could continue to do 17 weddings a month for five years, for 10 years. I knew that if I continued that pace, it would lead to a burnout. But I also knew that I was starting from zero. I had no capital. So, and I knew that this was the fastest way 
to raise capital to make a lot of money in a very short time. So I always say to people, you know, put in um, uh, put in the hard work for at least two years, save up that money, and then you can shift a portion of that over to passive income. Mm -hmm. In my case, when I started, um, when I decided to resign from my job and um, start my first business, so I, I, I said to you um, earlier, you know, everyone, including my mom, thought I was crazy. <laughs> but um, my dad was actually the only one who supported me. He didn't at first, but I told, told him, you know, dad, if I stay um, another day, another week in my job, I'm going to go crazy. Um, and I think my, that, that might have, you know, touched my dad. Um, and he finally said to me, I think he felt he might have realized he was losing. He was never going to lose, uh, never going to win this battle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was an entrepreneur himself. So what did he expect? Exactly. <laughs> he exactly. Thought. Like you, you just said the path for you. And, and I think it's, it's very, it's very honorable, honorable for, for your, you know, son or daughter to, to start a business. You know, I, I couldn't yeah. imagine anything more, uh, uh, satisfying or to make you more proud of than seeing your kids wanting to try something that is extraordinary you know just to fit in with, yeah. with society but one thing that was curious to know generally from that first wedding that you charge only one fourth of what you offer to those 17 weddings how did you grow so much how did you get all these clients so the so uh, it's really learning the art of um, high profit conversations, which is the online course that I created to help other entrepreneurs, right? But there's so much that um, goes into it. You have to really learn. First of all, you have to learn how to read your clients. I say that um, most of the people who come to you will fall into um, four different um, archetypes, so to speak. And I'll give you an example of just one. Sometimes um, some of my students, when they first um, ask to be mentored, they'll say they're having a very difficult time persuading their um, prospective clients to work with them because the client will say, you know, actually, um, will we, the client will express hesitation about hiring them or booking them. And that sort of discourages them. But I actually tell them that is just one of the four archetypes. And this is how you actually handle someone who expresses um, fears or hesitations, they, these types of people fall into what I call the deer or the alert people. They will always be aware of what can go wrong. And what most entrepreneurs make the mistake of doing is that they try to convince these people and tell them, no, it's okay, you know, um, work with me and these things that you are afraid of happening, they, they'll never happen. And that's actually the wrong way to go about it because these people are motivated by fear. And so what you actually, and the fear of things going wrong. So what you actually need to do is if you want to close the deal with them is not reassure them, but actually pile on the things that could go wrong. If they don't take action. Talk, yeah. Exactly. Talk more to them about the things that could go wrong and how they could um, get even worse. And that sort of lights a fire under their, under them so they say okay i don't want these things to happen then i need you mm -hmm. so it's really understand and, and it's 
it's all of these small things, understanding um, the archetype, the motivations of the people that you, the prospective clients that you work with. That's one of the things. Um, and the second one is really just learning how to move them from um, being barely interested in you to wanting to, you know, to being um, pre-sold on you and then to making the final commitment to working with you and how to take them from the, from all the way from zero to, or cold to um, very hot prospect, the micro commitments that you ask along the way. Mm, yeah, no, I love it. And, and uh, really it's learning how to sell, right? It's learning how yes. to influence yes, exactly. people and, um, yes. and, and, and influence them in taking a decision. One thing that I found though, and I know that you are, um, you know, now into courses or right? you're, you're, you have your own program, um, is um, it's very difficult to sell something that is not measurable and is not tangible. It's not like a physical thing because an online course mm. and a long, online program is kind of a, hey, I have this solution here for you, but you can't see, they can't see it. They can't visualize it. You can only make them visualize what they're going to get out of that, right? How did you go about building a successful business in selling these programs that I know is, is, is not easy it's complicated so how did i build a business um a successful business in selling online programs uh for me and i i can't speak for everyone but for me it got to a point where people were just asking they were so amazed at my results that they started asking me you know how did you do it how can we do it just like you as well wow. so i thought you know let me and and actually um, I I will say that um, I might, at the start especially I might have been more gifted as an entrepreneur than as a teacher. <laughs> mm. So when I started the online program, I started with a small group, and um, they were very open, very teachable. And I told them, you know, you have to bear with me because I know I know all of these things, but I don't actually know how to teach it. Yes. And so they were very nice. They asked questions along the way, and their questions. Um, especially now with everything that's going on in the online space, we hear of a lot of um, online gurus who sell millions worth of online programs. But um, I find that the secret to success is that you start, you start small, you allow yourself to make mistakes, you work with an intimate group of people who are willing to, um, to grow with you, especially at the start, um, who are going to give you grace as you make mistakes. And going back to the four archetypes of um, prospective clients, it's actually the third one. Um, I call them the elephants, just because elephants, they're very um, strong people, but at the same time, very uh, uh, strong animals rather, but also very um, gentle, very... Um, I think of them as kind animals. So you need to work with these people. The, one of the other archetypes is the eagle. The eagle is very strong, very bold, very numbers oriented, very direct. If you make a mistake, he's going to tell you what you did wrong. He's going to you know, have very high expectations of you. So you don't want to be working with these people at the start. Um, so you know, start small, um, grow, 
allow yourself to grow. Choose people who are willing to grow with you and be willing to say no to people that you feel that you know are not going to be the right fit for you at the start. Mm, very good, very good point. Um, yeah. So, so basically, um, from the story, coming back to the story, you 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 became quite successful with the weddings. And then there, was there a moment that you decided to stop the wedding kind of business and, and just pivot to this new to this new model, or did you continue right. with both of them? Right. Yes, yeah, so I was getting to that. Um, so at, when I first when I resigned from my job to do wedding planning, my dad uh, was the only person who encouraged me or who supported me. Then I got successful at doing wedding planning. And everyone was congratulating me. I had just been awarded top wedding planner. And part of what I got was um, two round trip tickets to anywhere in the world. And um, that's actually the, that was the first time that I went to visit Melbourne. My best friend, oh, wow. my high school best friend was in Melbourne. So yeah, I decided two, two round trip tickets to go anywhere in the world. Let me go and see my best friend. So I went to Melbourne and I had a most wonderful time there. <laughs> So sorry, you won these tickets from uh, was there like a like a lottery or something like that? No lottery, sorry, from being selected as the best wedding planner. Um, no, no, no. Uh, for that, I got when I was awarded um, top wedding planner, I got two free round trip tickets to anywhere in the country. So it's like an and association then... in, uh, in in Canada that, that does this award. Sorry, I was in the Philippines back then. Ah, Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, and then when everyone was congratulating me, uh, my dad pulled me aside and he said, you, uh, you know, it looks like you're having a really good time right now, but you have to be careful, he said, because that's not a real business. If you don't work, you don't eat. Therefore, it's not a real business. And so, you know, it was a painful truth to swallow because I felt like I had sort of worked very hard and I had reached a peak where I thought I could coast, rest and relax a bit. And my dad was telling me, no, this isn't the real thing yet. So he said, start another business, start a real business. And um, ever since I was young, even as a teenager, I'd always dreamed of having my own construction business, my own real estate business. Uh, I never thought that I would be able to do it because it took a lot of capital and you need to have connections to do it as well, right? Um, but my dad's words, you know, uh, just lit a fire within me. And I was now in a better place because I had been, you know, I had a lot of, I'd been doing a lot of weddings. I had sort of saved up for it, saved up a sizable amount that made it possible for me to start in um, real estate development. So back then I was the youngest female real estate developer. Wow, um, amazing. Yeah, amazing. yeah. <laughs> this is still in the, in the Philippines, right? Still in the Philippines, yes. And now wow. um, I, and then that put me in a position to say, okay, having seen success in, um, seen success in the city as a top wedding planner, you know, in the city and then seeing success in the country as the youngest female um, real estate developer, can I now broaden my perspective and try um, to build a global business? 
And so that's how I started Passionpreneur. I founded Passionpreneur. And one of the um, uh, courses that I teach in Passionpreneur is how to have high, high profit conversations. Wow. Yeah. So when you started the real estate, obviously, I'm guessing like it's, it's, it's not a simple business that won a real estate either, right? So I guess you made some mistakes yeah. and there would have been some road bumps and it wasn't yeah. all easy. Like talk, talk to me through some of the mistakes, some of the you know, challenges that, you've been, that you were facing. Oh my, if you talk about beginner's mistakes, <laughs> I must have made them all. At the start, you know, I hired someone to a subcontractor, someone who was in charge of building the buildings. And I thought I could trust him, but I didn't. I'm sure this is a familiar story for yeah. a lot of people. Um, he, I later found out that he didn't have the manpower to take on the job, even though he did. And so he hired uh, some, he, he hired some, uh, so I'm not, I hesitate to say this, but you know, he hired some drug addicts to mm -hmm. <laughs> people who should not have been working on construction. And I found out, out very late, as soon as I found it out, I fired him, fired the people he was working with, and oh. so I had this business that um, I was counting on, I, that I'd sunk a lot of money into. And um, I, and I, of course, I'd taken out a loan as well to help with the expenses. I was in a better position now to take that loan. I would not have been able to do that if I had not you know, done the event planning business. Mm. So I had all of this financial expenses and I didn't have a team because I just fired them yeah. so again you know I prayed about it I pray a lot <laughs> I think being an entrepreneur <laughs> teaches you to really pray and ask for miracles <laughs> I can confirm you do, you do. <laughs> so I prayed about it and what's funny is um, I had a neighbor who had been doing some light carpentry for me and I approached him. I said, I need a foreman, someone who can manage the construction for me. And he said, I'm a foreman. I have worked 20 years in Aramco, which is one of the biggest um, construction companies in the Middle East. And I said, what? Why did you never tell me that? I said, well, because I want to be humble. And I, and I didn't feel the need to, to tell it to you. So this is one of the things that I teach my mentees. When you think you're being humble, you're actually um, robbing people of your gift. You need to put yourself out there. You need to tell people about what you're good at because you might actually be the answered prayer to someone, the answer to someone's prayer, you know? You might be their miracle. And, and he was, I have known him for about three years more than enough time for me to have hired him instead of hiring the lousy subcontractor had I known that he was a foreman himself. So I hired him and I've been working with him for the last eight years. Wow. Wow. So this business now is still operating, is still up and running, is still working. Um, yes. So now I'm in Vancouver. Um, I'm taking my MBA. 
I think a lot of people think that you need to have your MBA to start a business. For me, it was the other way around. I learned um, the hard way yes. about how to run the a best business. Way and then now I'm, yeah, and now I'm taking an MBA to sort of round my education up, learn about accounting and all the other things that mm. um, I didn't have the benefit or have the background of knowing. That's why I say you, you can start a successful business, six-figure business even without the MBA. But now I'm here, right? In Vancouver. And that business, the real estate business, it's still going strong. Still, we're, yeah. um, we're going to, we just closed a deal. A six-figure deal was closed while I was here. And then we're going to start construction on another house. And that's going yeah. to... Um, uh, bring in another six figures next year as well. Amazing, amazing. So freedom, it, freedom means different things to many people. For some, it could mean quitting your job, moving to um, Bali or Hawaii and living the rest of your life there. For me, it meant something different. It meant moving. Um, it gave me the freedom to actually seek um, better opportunities for my son. I love it. I love it. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and yes, everybody has a different definition of freedom. And I like that, you know, like in a way or another, you were able to not, you know, endure through these experiences, through these businesses. And rather than say, you know, too hard, the guy just gave me, I found the wrong man, I wasted all this money, I just going to quit this. It just pivot and change it. And, and you were able to, you know, adjust to the, to the situation. And clearly, has been working out pretty well. Um, so what is the secret in your opinion for success in business? Perseverance, persistence. <laughs> yeah. And being willing to learn from your mistakes, actually giving yourself grace. Mm -hmm. I think um, entrepreneurs, we can be very hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's just one secret um, to success. I think... You know, being willing to learn, being kind to yourself. Uh, I would say, though, that you really need to learn how to close the deal. You need to learn how to make the money. Because for as long as you're closing deals, for as long as you're having these high-profit conversations that are bringing the money in, you can, what your money does is it buys you time to learn from your mistakes, time to become better. For as long as you have money in cash flow risking, for as long as you have money coming in, you can outrun your mistakes. So true, so true. Yeah. I love it. Per perseverance and learn to close deals. If you're in business, you're in marketing and sales, so you better figure this stuff out. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. if you don't, if you don't understand about sales, there is there is no business. What do you think, January? What, what do you think, when do you think for someone is the time to give up because something is not working versus keep on going and keep pushing through and, and persevering? When, where is the, 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 you know, the threshold? They're like, uh-huh, no, 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 you need to stop or you have to keep going? It's a million dollar question. That's, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I would say um, the time to give up is when the fire has died out. I think 
because you have to be true. Entrepreneurship is difficult. Um, you have to be true to yourself. And at some point, if you feel like, you know, why am I still doing this? It's so difficult. I'd rather, there is, I sometimes I think that we have glorified entrepreneurs and sorry, entrepreneurship to such a big deal, but there is no shame in going back and saying, you know, I tried it out. It didn't work. Um, so let me go back into a nine to five job. And at the end of that, the five, you know, you clock out of work, you spend time with your family, you can afford to leave your work in the office. That's okay. That's fine. If you can do that, that's fine. I can't. Most entrepreneurs yeah, I know I can't. can't. Too. I can't too. No. Exactly. That's how you know you're an entrepreneur. That's how you know you still have the fire because you can't get the job. You can't, you can't imagine yourself staying in a job. No. So if you can't imagine yourself, while you cannot, it's, it's almost like this company. I forgot the name of the company, but they hire people. And then I think they offer people $3,000 to quit. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's Amazon. I think it's Amazon. Was it Amazon? I think it was Amazon. Yeah, because if a person is willing to take that $3,000, then that's fine. It's fine. It's the same way. Like, it, um, start a business. And if at some point you think, I want to quit, I want to go back to finding a job, go ahead, do it, quit. Yeah. But if while you have that fire within you, keep going. Keep, mm -hmm. you know, keep, keep getting better. Keep trying to close deals. And okay. sometimes, sometimes you need to take a step back in order to take a step forward. Uh, one step, was it one step back, two steps forward, right? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to get a job for a while, for a year or two, um, and save up and then go back out there and try again. Building yeah. a business, it Maybe I say, so So I say, you know, I went from zero to 150K in 15 months, but it took longer than that. The dream to start a real estate business, it started when I was 16 yeah. and, I, and I took the long way through it because um, I didn't have capital, I didn't have connections, but I never lost sight of, of that dream, that goal. And it took me over 10 years to actually get it going. And I went through two jobs, went through another business so that I could save up capital for this. And now I'm doing my online course as well, starting a global business. And um, I'm hoping to write a book um, later this year or next year on my experiences. You, It's difficult, but if you have that fire, just keep going. I love it. I love it. No, it's, 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 it's really true. Um, guide me through this new this new business model that you know you currently the light, the latest one in what you're helping you're guiding um, people in transforming their passion into into a business right like how did you come up yeah. with that idea um, and uh, and I'm curious to know how do you how do you build that to such a success in such a short period amount of time um, so for online let me see. Um, I think it just got to a point where uh, people started inviting me to talk about my experiences, you know, as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I began to really see the need for me to create a very systematic way of giving this information to others. 
um, and you know, just having attained a measure of success, you know, at some point you move away from um, measuring success or wanting success. You move away from that to wanting significance, mm -hmm. wanting um, fulfillment and money will pay the bills. Money will put food at the table, but money is not going to make you feel fulfilled. Only helping other people will give you that feeling of significance and fulfillment as well. People were asking me, how did you do that? I was answering their questions. And I thought, you know, maybe it's time to finally, um, um, you know, to finally put things, to systematize things so that I can um, put that information out there and so that it's available on demand mm -hmm. so, so that I don't become my own <laughs> bottleneck, so to speak, mm -hmm. so that people who wanted to learn could learn at their own pace. Mm -hmm. uh, at the start, I really just wanted, I, I reached out to people that I already knew, people um, I had contact with who in turn could connect me to their audience as well. And I really just told them, you know, this is something that I'm doing. Would it be something that you would like to support as well? And uh, so it was a, it started out as a grassroots movement. Uh, really just talking to people, pounding the pavement, doing the hard work. And uh, yeah, to come so, from Was there. that more like doing launches? You were doing like a live webinar, doing a presentation and then selling on the back of that? Or was there more referrals that you were getting clients? So, you know, sales course coming in. more referrals. Did you do uh, paid advertising? How did you drive all this? How did you drive all this traffic to, to, to your course? And also to have the confidence that you have exactly what they wanted to. So uh, I think I've been very lucky, very blessed in my business. Or maybe it was the it's the result of all of that hard work that I put in at the start. Just building a wide network of people who knew that they could count on me and they could trust me. But um, I didn't really have to invest in paid advertising that much. I dabbled in it and I got some clients in that way as well. But for me, it was really a lot of um, referrals. It was word of mouth marketing. And what I did was um, I set up um, a referral, a two-tiered referral um, program so that as a student came in, they could tell other people, tell their family and their friends about this, and they would get um, a portion of you know, the, the yeah. fee for the commission. online course. Yeah. Right, the commission. But I made it two-tiered so that um, when they, in, let's say they invited their friend, if that friend also invited someone, they also got a portion of mm -hmm. that as well. So yeah. it was um, sort of, uh, it was a spin-off of, you know, aff affiliate marketing. I find yeah. that, um, yeah, affiliate Yep. Uh, most affiliate marketing programs reward only the first tier, but I wanted to do um, to reward the second tier of referrals as well. So that was a very big help to us. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I know when I got started, I started with affiliate marketing. There was the two tiers as well, and you could get like uh, through. Oh, did you do two tiers as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with a company from the UK, and it was this this way of generating real passive income, right? Because you were getting this, this back 
commission from the people under you. Um, and then there was, um, yeah, very interesting model. The problem that was in that case, I stopped believing in the product because and it wasn't it wasn't delivering a lot of value. And in the moment that I stopped believing, I couldn't actually, you know, yes, share that with other true. people. So that, that's true. That was that. It's the same way with me as well. Yes. Yeah. I think in order to sell something, you have to really believe in the product. It has to be something that you would buy yourself. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes um, very um, inauthentic, and we we are not that kind of people. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, we particularly with courses, what happens is a lot of people want to see results for themselves before going to refer someone else. Like it's, it's yes. like uh, before I want to see that it's working for me, and then um, I go and share with other people. So with my program, I try to you know, talk to all my students and say, so do you want to share? You know, because we have also our affiliate program. I don't know how to do a two tier though, because I think that you will need to have like a, you know, different platform maybe to do a two tier uh, level. I can show you in a bit. Um, it's not something that I can recall off the top of my head, but yeah, it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, a custom, it was a custom uh, customized platform yeah 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 no yeah. i love it i love it um do you think it's more important to be good in sales and marketing oh um i would say that it depends on the product if you have like a a product with a high profit of margin mm. uh, or high margin of profit sorry high profit margin yeah <laughs> So if you have a high, if you have the potential for high profit, um, it's better to be good in sales, I think, mm -hmm. because just closing one deal, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. If one, two deals will set you for the month. Yeah. So better to be good at sales. Better to be good in sales. Um, what do you think about direct outreach? You know, when you, you know, you have a program and you, you get in touch or you have a team of people, a virtual assistants, they get in touch directly to people. Does that work or is that better to do content marketing with a call to action and, and inviting people to sign up for your, you know, newsletter and be a relationship in that way? What, what do you guys do on that, on that regards? Okay, so um, I am a fan of direct outreach. I've never actually tried um, delegating it to mm. assistants. I like being able to speak with people. I like, you know, telling them. And and maybe I'm I'm just at that stage where where it makes a lot more sense for me to be the one to um, speak or to to reach out. I might have to delegate it mm. um, later on. And I do have one or two people who I feel will I feel we're about to break through into you know, um, that level where I actually have to delegate. But back when I was starting, it was really just me reaching yeah. out to people. Yeah. And you well, found it was actually the, converting? Like people would actually... It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I I also... I Maybe because um, I had taken the time to actually learn to, you know, speak with people, learn to sell, learn to persuade. Direct outreach was so much easier for me i think you you want to have a healthy mix of both direct outreach is um shorter marketing you see results faster but you also want to invest into content marketing mm, i for content marketing i don't really 
um, post a lot. I don't, I, I have, I sort of have like filler posts. I must um, strong, this is something that I advise my students, my mentees a lot. You, know, you, you don't have to feel the, the pressure. You don't have to feel pressure to keep posting every day, keep posting um, every week. I was a lazy marketer. <laughs> um, I sort of believe in like uh, maximum results for minimum effort. Yes. So I, but the content that I was putting out there was um, really quality content. So I could get by with posting like three or four pillar posts yes, um, yes. Every, every month, sometimes yes. every two weeks or so. Yes, yes. What do you think generally about people starting out and obviously not having the authority, right? So when you're starting out, you're not Russell Brown, so you're not Tony Robbins, you're not, uh, yes. you know, Frank uh, Kern. And, uh, how do you see that people can, because it's, it's great that everybody can develop a course or, you know, use their knowledge and expertise mm -hmm. to create a program, but they don't have the authority. They don't have, uh, you know, that amount of um, the giant um fire right. fire wheel that uh, jeff bezos talks right. in his book so what 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 do you think about that how do you help your students with that first of all you have to really know the stuff that you're mm -hmm. going to teach right mm -hmm. and if you do know it then you already have authority mm -hmm. um you might not have a huge following yet but you have the authority um maybe some people lack the confidence at the start and so, you know, I say, um, choose your audience, choose your market, swim in friendly waters, mm. uh, choose to work with people who, you know, are going to be kind to you and who are going to give you grace. There's no need to work with uh, numbers people or with uh, people who, hmm, um, you know, who like to to have influence, like to work with influential people, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. So work with, uh, um, with the people who are warm, with the people who are sweet and kind, and take the time to build your calling, take the time to build your following. Um, and also, you know, you don't have to, to be as popular as Russell Brunson, as um, Tony Robbins to put food in the table, to... Yeah. Make your dream business come true. So Set true. your own standard of success. So true. So true. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you think about the problem that a lot of us have? I had this massively in my own um, journey comparing to, to other people. So you start and you maybe you are in a community and you see someone else that is just, Maybe they started with you just before you and they are just things, you know, seem to happen to them. Did you have this problem yourself? Do you see this problem in, in some of your students? Um, is there something that you had to overcome yourself or, or that, um, in your opinion, a lot of people get deflated and give up because of that? I cannot say that I have encountered this myself when I have a goal or a dream, a project of my own, I tend to put blinders on and yeah, really good. just focus on uh, my project and I don't, I don't look elsewhere. Sometimes I'll see someone um, who's more um, successful than I am 
and then I pay attention to how I feel around this person. Is it And you know, sometimes if this person um, triggers uh, negative emotions in me, it's okay to unfollow them for a while. <laughs> I mean, if they're not a personal friend, <laughs> yes. it's okay to just say, you know, um, having you in the perimeter of my mind, in the perimeter of my thoughts is not healthy for me right now. So let me unfollow you for a season. And let me just put my blinders on and focus on what I'm doing. And I get a measure of success. And then maybe we can reconnect. Or I can uh -huh. reconnect to you. You don't have to force yourself. I mean, stay true to who you are. Stay in touch with how you're feeling. How other people make you feel. How your dreams make you feel. Your dreams should pull you forward. And um, they should... Maybe they don't make you happy because, again, building a business is hard. But past that layer of where, where happiness should occur, um, they should make you feel fulfilled. The very act of um, trying to build a successful business should make you feel fulfilled. I love it. I love it. I got so many questions for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're one of these, these guests that I just, uh, it's very, you're very easy to interview and, and, and questions come very, very easily. I'm just going to ask two more questions. One is obviously as entrepreneurs, we all have a very high standards, very ambitious people. And yes. we tend to have this very, um, you know, uh, ambitious goals. And mm -hmm. sometimes you know, they say goals, if they're not scary, they're not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes when the goal is so scary and you see that it, the more action you're taking, you're not getting any closer to that, it can be very deflating and can really shut you down. Um, did you ever find yourself in that situation or uh, have you got any advice for someone in that situation? Always. <laughs> I was always in that situation. Mm. Um, and so, you know, part of being an entrepreneur is having a strong support system, um, having a strong client base. Here's the funny thing. Here's what most people don't realize. Um, when I started my wedding planning business, you know, handling those 17 weddings in a month, it was very difficult. Um, and, uh, and then when I started doing real estate, it, that was difficult as well because um, you build a house and then you wait a long period of time, uh, months to find the right buyer. So you have these months where you have of months of uncertainty, months of anxiety where you don't know where someone's going to buy or not, whether money's going to come to the bank not. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's the same thing with, you know, um, you take the time to build an online course and you never really know whether, uh, at the start at least, you don't know whether it's going to, um, be successful or not right so um, I was always saying you know I'm gonna stop this is not gonna be successful this is a waste of my time <laughs> but um, I have good friends and I take the time take the energy um, to really cultivate good friends and I'll give you an example of what a good friend can do and this is outside of the 
you know, um, building a business is a very good example. One of the goals that I set for myself was to run a 12K um, race, right? And I'd never really run a race before. So I thought to myself, this is a huge goal. It's scary. Like a running um, race, I, you mean? 12 kilometers? Running race, yes, yeah. yes. 12 kilometers. So I think that's one fourth of a marathon. So marathon is 42. So 12K is a little bit over. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so but it's, it's, a good, it's a good distance. Like it's, uh, it's a good start, right? Because I've never run before. So yeah. it was... Um, I can and help you with it if you need. I'm an ex uh, elite uh, triathlete, so I've done a lot to run. Oh, yeah. oh, are you a triathlete? Yeah. I had before COVID started, I had set my heart on um, um, joining the Ironman challenge. Again, another big scary goal because I wasn't really. But you know what? There are people in the you know they're super overweight, then they they get out from the couch, and in four months they do it. So it's very mental. The exactly. army it's very mental. Yes, yes, and and that is um an an all an, a strong analogy of what it takes to be successful in business again. Uh, also, right? So. I never run a business. I run. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting my words mixed up now, just because it's late in the evening for me. But um, I really, I never really run a race before. In a, in a sense, I was starting from zero as well, and I wanted to run a 12k race. It was a big, scary goal for me. So I said to myself, "What do I need to succeed? What do What do I need to make sure that I don't give up halfway?" And so I saw, I saw my friend, I called up my friend. She's a marathoner. She's an iron woman, wow. younger, um, very, very strong um, lady, someone I look up to. And I asked her, you know, can you run alongside me? And so she ran with me. She set the pace for me. And about one and a half, 1.5 kilometers before the end goal, I gave up. <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I slowed down my, my race, my pace slowed down and I was just walking. And you know what she did? She pulled me through. She grabbed my arm. She said to me, I don't care if you never talk to me again, you are going to finish this race Ooh. and you are going to finish it strong. That's a really freaking good friend. Right, right. But I had boxed myself in. I knew I was going to give up. I knew it was going to get difficult. And so I chose the one person that I knew would never allow me to give up. In my um, in the Passionpreneur course, I want to be that person for my mentors, uh, mentees, for my students. Mm -hmm. I want to be the person that tells them, you think it's hard, but I'm going to pull you through this. Mm -hmm. And um, for entrepreneurs, you know, you, you have to understand that building a business is difficult and you box yourself in. You, you put yourself in a position you, where you are supported by friends and where you have pre-sold your services to clients and your clients are going to hold you accountable, you know, and say, no, January, we know you can do it with, with the weddings. Um, I would say, you know, I'm so tired. This is so exhausting. I want to give up. And I said that for seven years. And for seven years, we were profitable. Wow. <laughs> seven years, I said, this is so exhausting. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit this business. And my supplier said, no, don't quit your business. My clients, I, I, 
I would say to them, you know, um, this is the last year I'm going to do weddings. And they would say, well, I, I wanted to um, refer my cousin, my friend, my classmate to you. I say, okay, I'll listen to what they have to say, but no guarantees I'll take on there you know, take them on as a client and I'd listen to them and their stories would compel me to actually help them. As I said, you know, like if it's your passion, if it's something that you want to do, it's going to pull you forward. But you also have to take the invest the time, invest the energy in building a support system. So true. And, and, and um, you know, having the right, the right peers, the right friends, the right people that actually raise you up rather than lead you know, take you and beat down because a lot of very often friends, they are scared that you're going to get hurt, that you're going to lose, that you're going to be suffering, you're going to be in a very bad place, or maybe they don't see themselves achieving the goal. And that's why yes. they tell you that you can't do it. And that's the same with mom and dad. Um, so I think what your friend did, uh, um, pulling you through the marathon is very honorable. Uh, I would be very proud if I was her to have done it uh, as a friend um and uh, i would i would definitely do that for, for 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 one of my friends and i would feel very very proud because you really raise someone else up and and and, yes. um, and you show them yeah. that it's possible i think it's uh it's beautiful uh what she did it's, it's a sacred commitment between you and someone else to actually say to someone this is my goal i know it's going to get difficult don't let me stop and that person, you know, at the right moment, they come in and they say, hey, you can do this. I won't let you. I, I care enough about you and your dreams and your goals to not let you stop, even if you hate me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually have a friend back in Italy that uh, every time we speak, we do so many trainings together, training sessions, and he's like, when Matteo is here, he's always like, uh, is he going to come up with something crazy? Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way I am. Um, what do you do out of working hours? What do you like to do when you're not working? Oh, I like to dance. I'm dancing. <laughs> what type yeah, of dancing? dance? Uh, the modern dance, uh, Zumba as well. Zumba, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think, um, uh, when I'm building a business, I'm so much into my mind, you know, thinking of the possibilities, thinking of clients, thinking of how to close this deal, how to manage this project. There's just so many things going in my mind. Um, dance is the exact opposite of that. Dance, you have to um, focus on the moment and focus on your um, body. So that's something I like to do. It takes me, pulls me out of my head. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, the last question is, what would you say to someone that wants to give up in business? It's like, you know what? I'm done. I might be, honestly, I might be the wrong person to ask about this. <laughs> if someone comes up to me and says, I'm done, give up, I would tell them, okay, be done, give up. And, 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 and if they can, then that's okay. No shame, no foul. Mm -hmm. You tried and you said, this is not for me. That's fine. That's okay. But there are some people when you say to them, you know, I'm, I'm done. I want to give up. And, and you say to them, okay, give up. 
something inside them says, no, I'm not going to give up, <laughs> even if you tell me to. <laughs> so maybe it's um, reverse psychology, maybe because it's, I'm a mom and reverse psychology has worked on my son a lot. Yes. But, you know, um, just I find that entrepreneurs, we don't really... The real entrepreneurs, the ones who are gonna make, who are gonna cut it, you know, through the struggle, through the difficult times, you're gonna have to learn to motivate yourself. And or you learn to set aside your feelings and really have self-discipline and focus on your goal and say, okay, maybe today I don't feel like I'm going to win. Maybe today I feel like giving up. But feelings aside, these are the tasks I'm supposed to do today. And you focus on the tasks you have to do regardless of what you're feeling. Just do the work regardless of what you're feeling. Very powerful. Um, yeah. And uh -huh. it's the same way, right? If you run a race as well, um, because you're, do you run, Mateo? Uh, these days, I'm, um pretty much full cycling uh, because as a throughout I was doing a lot of cycling. Uh, I was running a little bit in Hawaii, but um, yeah, I know, I know very well the, the you know, the, the running, running is a sport as well. Yeah, yeah but the, any sport, I think. <clears throat> At some point you feel like you want to give up, but um, you just don't let your feelings dictate what you do for the day. All right, my, we're going to close up here with five sharp questions that I love to ask everybody Whoa. very quickly. Um, first one is, if you could write a sentence on a giant billboard that the entire world can read, what would you write? Dream. Dream. Work and sell. Yeah. Oh, just one word? Dream. <laughs> no, no, can write anything. can be a sentence, anything you want. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Dream and make it happen. The second one is if you could spend five minutes with um, in January at the age of 16 years old, what advice would you give her? Oh. Don't listen to your mom. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I would be, tell her, yeah. <laughs> I remember being 16 years old and having all of these dreams, dreams and, you know, not feeling supported. I would tell her, you know what, you have big dreams and you're going to make them happen. You will be okay. You will be better than okay. I love it. I love it. This is beautiful, by the way. Um, what is success to you? Success to me is um, being able to live my life on my own terms mm. and helping other people. Do that. At some point, it moves away from money mm. and into really, you know, being able to leave uh, a legacy mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. other people. So I'll give you an example. There's someone that, um, so I partner with... Uh, a shelter that partners with international um, justice missions and they work to help uh, victims of trafficking 
there's a young girl that I've been mentoring for several years now. Um, she is a victim of um, sexual trafficking. She was rescued, taken off the streets, brought into a shelter house. And she's about to enter college and I will continue to mentor her that way. And it's, to me, you know, it, having my own business gives me the time freedom to do these things that actually make me happy. Mm. And now I'm living life on my own terms. I love it. I love it. That's the best. Um, what is the best advice you ever received generally? Oh, I've received I've received a lot of really good advice over the years. Um, so I think two, if you'll allow me two. Do I yeah, two? even three okay. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, burn the boats, I think. <laughs> Conquer the <laughs> island and burn the boat. Yeah go <laughs> you know leave your comfort zone leave the shore reach the other island and then burn the boats mm. um so that you're fully committed to your goals mm. and um the second one is because i remember being a very new entrepreneur and i asked someone this was an old man um one of my father's business friends i remember telling him you know i have no money no connections, uh, I, no business background. How do I succeed in business? And he said, right now you are chicken little. You need to find your chicken big. Find a friend who will support you. Find a mentor who will walk through the journey with you. So I think, you know, persevere and um, find someone who won't allow you to give up, someone who will support you through your dreams. And... Um, Go through the learning curve. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Before my last question, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? How can they do that? So the people can find me through my website. It's january10.com. I'm also um, launching my other website, passionpreneur.co, um, sometime at the end of the month as well. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, my last question is what is the impact that you want to make on others? I want others to know that they can dream, that they can, with the right support, they can make their dreams come true. So that in turn, they can be in a position where they help others to dream and make their dreams come true. Mm -hmm. We can. My personal um, goal or mantra in life is that I want to be, I am blessed so I can be a blessing to others. And I always tell others the same thing as well. Um, be blessed so you can bless others too. I love it. Generally, it's been wonderful, amazing. I love the. Uh, I nearly felt emotional in some parts, <laughs> but it's been it's been so beautiful, and I know I had a lot of questions for you, but uh, I'm really glad that we went through all of this because it was great also for myself to to learn from you, and uh, I really hope we can have you back in the show very soon. 
Thank you very much for having me, Mateo. It was a privilege and an honor to be able to share my story with you.